Hi everyone, Emily here, coming to you from, well, just outside of Toronto, Canada, and it is uh, April 11th, so the Saturday of Easter, and in the middle of the COVID quarantine, which is a really crazy time. And I wanted to come on and talk a little bit about astrology because I mentioned something on my Insta stories, uh, I think one or two weeks ago, about astrology and a few people really resonated with what I shared. So I want to uh, talk about a few things here today. The title of this episode is Why You Shouldn't Use Astrology and How I Do. And that's because... Okay, I'm not even a huge expert in astrology in any way, shape, or form, but I have been very interested in it, um, studying it from different people, different sources, as well as with my husband for the past uh, five years, like more intensely, and I was always interested in it before. And I've also been very observant of how people in my community are affected or influenced or interested in astrology. And I find that people go to astrology for a few reasons. Um, One, it can be understanding themselves and their their personalities better. Mm, Two is to understand others, especially children. And Three is to get uh, some ideas about the future. And so we look to online astrology forecasts uh, or maybe even speak to uh, people who work with astrology one-on-one with an astrologer. And I have consulted some astrologers. I have spoken to people who have worked in astrology and written columns <laughs> for newspapers and, and magazines in astrology. And it's it can be quite a dangerous thing when we give up our... Um, when we put too much power into it or into another person's interpretation of it. Uh, other people will will deal with astrology by just turning it off completely and saying it doesn't affect anything, it doesn't make sense, uh, there's no logic to it, and it's not a science, and that's that's just their way of dealing with it to feel safe. Maybe it, it triggers them or challenges them that there might be uh, a message in the stars or um, like a pattern in in the stars over the years over the millennia and i'm sorry i kind of lost my train of thought but uh i wanted to go back to the beginnings of astrology it's been used for thousands of years all over the world in different cultures and in different ways because one thing i want to address here today is the differences in astrology which not many people are aware of uh, so it was used by the Mayans, as we know, the Aztecs in the Central and South America worlds, old worlds, ancient worlds. It was used by the Greeks. It was used in India. 
Uh, I haven't studied too much about Chinese astrology, except, uh, I mean, yeah, that they were using it there too, right? <laughs> so all of these different cultures were looking to the stars and getting their own information from it and then applying it to their world with it. And originally, it was mostly used for timing of sacred rituals and also for uh, agriculture. Those were the two main reasons. And then over time and with uh, different saints and, and different astrologers around the world, uh, they started to use it more for individual um, forecasting or understanding. And uh, so I come from mostly seeing like the, the Vedic astrology sa- uh, side of things. Um, something that blows a lot of people's minds sometimes is that they, there are many different ways to actually calculate a chart, uh, a birth chart. So when someone will tell you, for example, most people know where the sun is sits in their chart and that's what most people know for example from mid-march to mid-april if you're born in that time then you're in aries if you're born after that taurus and then the signs follow and most people know that sign um and they usually say well i'm a virgo or i'm a taurus or whatever and in vedic astrology they use a different way of calculating the the sun sign even where the signs sit in the sky where the uh virgo and like those main signs those 12 zodiac signs where they sit in the sky and it's kind of off by almost three weeks now so most people who think that there are virgo sun in Vedic astrology would be considered a Leo sun. And if you think you're a Sagittarius sun, then then they'll tell you you're a Scorpio sun. And the whole chart, and that means all the other planets too, also shift. And that can really throw people off. And it's interesting to see how much that throws people off because we can, over time, become so attached to what we have been told about our sign um sometimes it's like you know since we were a teenager even we could read magazines or go online we would be interested in seeing what what they said about different signs and then that really shapes our view of the world and our view of people and their our view of ourselves and when all of that gets shifted or changed in another system, it can really be hard to digest sometimes. Um, But I think it's a really great thing to have that challenged because um, one, it can perhaps allow us to see other sides of ourselves because uh, there are really successful astrologers both in Western and in Vedic astrology who... uh, they say make good predictions and have success with their clients. And I'll get to that (laughs) as well after. But um, 
but yes, it's good to have our ideas about ourselves challenged and it can help us see different sides of ourselves. It also shows us how attached we are to that um, explanation of who we are. And what, what I like to say with astrology is that the patterns, the messages uh, are there in the sky. The messages are there um, because there are patterns. Having kind of followed this over the years, there definitely are some patterns and some truths. Um, and it's not the stars that lie, but it's rather the interpretation of them that almost as long as we're a human, really, and that we're not like an enlightened saint, are faulty. They're faulty. Um, and then on, on, on top of that, the more uh, a person is consciously working on themselves, the less they are influenced by the stars and the harder it is to forecast um, their future with the stars. And in Vedic astrology or in the philosophy of yoga, that's kind of what they say is the goal of human life is to grow spiritually and release our karma. The, the, the birth chart or our stars sort of show us our karma in, uh, in this life that we have been born with. Uh, so it could look something like having the moon in a quote-unquote unfavorable position and losing our mother early in life. Uh, but so one thing is that uh, from my understanding of life and sort of where I'm at with my spiritual philosophy is that there isn't really ever a fully good or a fully bad event. Um, it's like the story of the Zen master who buys a horse and then the horse goes off, you know, escapes the farm and the people in the village say, oh, how terrible, how terrible you lost your horse. And he says, oh, we'll see. And then a few days later, the horse comes back with another horse that he found, his partner, in the forest. And people say, oh, oh, isn't that fantastic? How wonderful. You, you got a second horse now. He says, oh, we'll see. Then his son goes and rides on this new wild horse and breaks his leg. And people say, oh, how terrible that he broke his leg. Um, how, what a bad omen. And he says, oh, we'll see. Then a week later, all the young men in the village get called to war. But because his son is injured, he cannot go. And so the people say, oh, wow, what a blessing. And the Zen master says, we'll see. Uh, so just to say that there are moments in our lives that can seem really negative, like very much full of suffering, like losing a mother early in life. But if we can look at it from a greater point of view, we can see that there can always be something positive that comes out of it. And it's almost the same with something something positive. And so sitting on this place of duality when we're looking at a chart or when we're looking at someone's life I feel already sets everyone up for some problems <laughs> and then the other thing is that if an astrologer is in this place of this duality uh, 
then depending on what their bias is of what is good or what is bad will also influence how they interpret and see the chart as far as what is good or what is bad in a chart. For example, someone might be uh, more inclined to liking certain signs or certain qualities within a chart, whether it be um, like psychic skills in a chart or artistic skills or leadership skills or business success. You know, each astrologer might be more inclined to certain things and saying whether or not they're good or bad or even relationship, for example, like, oh, you will have a long wonderful relationship for your whole life and that will be good or oh this is a bad chart because you will have divorce and many husbands but when you look at people who actually go through some of these experiences at least I know people who have you know things in their lives that would be seemed would be called inauspicious by some are beautiful, happy, spiritually growing, kind, generous, good people in society. And so it just makes me wonder when I'm looking at a birth chart, how can I say that something is good or that something is bad? Um, The other thing is that it's much harder to predict than we think. I kind of look at it like the the stars are showing us... um, energetic weather of what's to come but again if we think of the fact that there can be different systems of even looking at what signs the planets are in uh, it becomes very difficult to interpret what that is and to then apply that interpretation faulty interpretation into our lives Um, For example, in this crazy time of COVID, something very interesting that's happening right now, like when things first hit and got crazy and we had to initially start the quarantine, um, Mars, Jupiter and Saturn were all sitting on top of each other um, with Ketu and Jupiter was falling. So really not in in a happy place for Jupiter. And it just felt like like I mean Saturn and Mars are are said to be very destructive planets uh they have a lot of like fire and big power in their planets and so it's just like a crumbling down of many of our systems and what's also happening right now is that all of the planets are kind of grouped together on one side of the two nodes of the moon So it's like the place where uh, the orbits of the moon and the sun cross. And so where there would be or where the eclipses happen are these two invisible dark points. And when all the planets are on one side of this line, uh, it's called Kala. Let me let me double check. Kala Sarpa Dosha in Vedic astrology it shows a really big imbalance. So it means that like all of the energy is going into one side of life and it's leaving and it's taking it from that other side. And so we're seeing that in a very strong way right now with the quarantine. It's like all of the energy is coming outside, out from the businesses um, and the economy and it's all going into the homes, into the families uh, into our individual cells because we're not 
many of us are not able to work and so there's just this very big imbalance and oftentimes they say that this dosha or this time period is inauspicious and we can look at this period and say yes it's quite difficult on many levels and many people are suffering not only from the illness um, also from job loss and from the state of the economy but is that to say that overall in the greater scale of things that it is actually a bad thing for the earth and for humanity to experience Um, we can see that there is some good coming from it the level of pollution the levels of pollution are going down Uh, perhaps people are rethinking their family routines and spending more time with the people in their homes and with their children perhaps some people are learning that they don't want to actually live with the people they're living with uh, or bonds get tighter or there's a lot of interesting things that we are learning uh, from this time and if we can try to stay focused on that even though I know it's difficult um it can at least help us get through it. And I do find it comforting in some way to look at the stars and to see, okay, there's a crazy imbalance right now and this will shift in time. So uh, what happens with this uh, way that the planets are are set right now is that when the moon moves the fastest out of, out of, out of all the planets, and so for 15 days each month we kind of get a break with the moon coming into full moon and being opposite from all of these planets and it's almost like it's like that mother energy that caring the moon is like that peaceful mother who can have like five children six children around her and she's just still glowing just still flowing with things and very intuitively tending to her children without overthinking things and so it's that energy that shines light on the other planets and helps to balance things out and soothe us for at least some time in in this period which will end in june june 2020 is when the kalasarpa yoga ends uh, june 21st i think there's a an eclipse at that time and uh there will be a shift and so that's that's my the biggest thing that I like to say, you know, I I don't want to go into specifics. I've seen some people. Um, so here's the thing. Different astrologers will look at things differently. Uh, I was talking to some friends who are, who work in astrology even more than I do. Okay. And they were saying that for people whose ascendant is, or who work as Leos or as leaders in the community, that many of the planets are gathered in the sixth house of challenges and obstacles. And so they will be having to overcome some challenges that come at them. Um, For example, slander. And this came up in conversation about when I mentioned that the yoga gurus many of them i mentioned this on my insta stories are under fire right now for um allegations of sexual abuse 
pretty serious stuff and it's in all the almost all the lineages i mean we know the bikram story but in recent months there has been there have been articles come out on um the yoga certification that i'm certified with shivananda international yoga um ashtanga yoga kripalu yoga iyengar yoga and most recently also kundalini yoga and these are the main leaders. This is back in the 80s, most of them. Many of these main gurus that brought these yogic schools have now passed on uh, out of this world. Um, but apparently they've left behind some stories of uh, serious damage to mostly women. And these stories have come out very recently. And for me, it was a clear sign of, of Jupiter falling, the guru falling, not in, happy in its, in its place. And another astrologer, you know, who doesn't believe these stories, sees it as slander and as an obstacle that will have to be overcome by these schools of yoga. So yes, I'm not too happy about that, as you can see. Um, but I just want to, sh- and these are people again who work in astrology and uh, who consult people using astrology. Now, the other thing I wanted to say about forecasting or telling some a person about themselves, it's very dangerous to give all of our power to someone else to do that work for us like to tell us who we are, to tell us our challenges. And we want to be really careful who we're giving that power to. And we should never, I think, give that power to someone. It's always like we're walking, we want it to be like we're walking hand in hand, or sometimes like they can be a coach or someone providing a mirror or someone providing suggestions of certain things. And then we have to go into our own lives and into our own selves and digest that and contemplate that and see what is true for us knowing that every truth other than like the universal truth can always change and so if we become really attached to these qualities or these things that other people say about us or that we decide about ourselves we're locking ourselves in to something and we're creating an attachment and eventually that will be challenged so that's just something really important to keep in mind the other thing regarding children um i see a lot of parents like often talking about and i'm even guilty of this i i don't want to think this way but i i've mentioned it um but talking about the signs of their children and it's often just the sun sign which doesn't hold you know that much power actually in an astrology chart if we're looking at a person's astrology chart um, where the ascendant is so that's the sign that's coming up as uh, over the horizon when the person is born where the ascendant is um, where the planets are actually placed in the chart so it could be there could be a sun but depending where it is will uh make it quite different of an expression for the person and the moon sign is also very important and especially especially for women the moon and venus can be more telling for a woman than for a man who is more 
influenced by Sun and Mars, for example. Um, yes, so when we're talking about our children and we're trying to, uh, you know, understand our children, it could, it could be honestly the best thing. And I heard this from a woman who did work in past life regressions. She said she never worked with children or, or, or children under the age of 16. I think she'd worked with her daughters. <laughs> this is Dolores Cannon I'm talking about. But she never did past life regression work with uh, teenagers, except for her own kids. <laughs> and we should be very careful uh, to look at charts of our children and even... I've kind of looked at the charts of my my children um, and it gives me a bias of then how I look at them. So it could, and it could be more beneficial to develop greater skills and observation in the present moment of what is actually happening than looking at a chart. Because again, our interpretations of the chart could be faulty. So that's, that's just what we have to remember is rather than holding on to it too tightly we can look at astrology and use it and and be um informed in sort of like suggestions from it but then the most important is our current reality and what is happening right now and the observations that we make so and then also the other thing is we have to be very careful not to stay in the mind aspect of astrology. And I find that's that's something very important for me because I can easily burn myself out with my mind using these things. And so part of I find my work in this life is I know that if I get too into my mind sometimes, it will burn out my nervous system, especially being a mother of young children. I need to protect and nourish my nervous system as much as possible with sleep and with living more intuitively rather than burning out my mind and living from my rational mind and learning astrology from a rational place of trying to memorize everything and looking at the charts well not just looking at the charts but calculating the charts and things like that and memorizing different orientations of the planets and what that gives to a person uh, that burns me out. And I think it burns out a lot of people, and especially women, if we go too much into this way of looking at astrology. And so what I encourage people to do more of is to try to get a feel for it. What I've done before is I've created like a, an astrology chart or like a representation of the sky around myself. And then I've placed certain planets around me like I made different representations of the planets and placed them around me and felt what that would look like so for example when the sun is in the 10th house in a chart that means it is in the highest point in the sky it's like at midday so someone born with the sun in the 10th house would have been born around noon or when the sun was at its highest point and you know you can just get a more of a feeling for it so that's more how uh, like intuitive astrology can work. Um, the other thing that I find very useful and very important is to use 
the concept of the gunas with astrology. And if you're not familiar with yoga or the Vedic terms, the gunas are tamas, rajas, and sattva. So tamas is the energy of like self-destruction and violence towards the self and towards all others. Um, all of these energies are kind of needed and useful in, in the world. Tamas doesn't always have to be bad. Uh, I'm still doing more research about it, but this is the way I look at it. Um, tamas is that like kind of deep, dark hatred and um, rotting and things like that. <laughs> Rajas is the energy of uh, the ego, of uplifting the self above others, of um, it's kind of like I win, you lose kind of situation. Um, it's the energy of obsession and being really obsessed and picky about something and thinking that it's the best. Like, for example, um, loving a specific kind of coffee or, or wine and, and you become a connoisseur and very attached to these things. There's a, a deep attachment um, in Rajas. And it doesn't mean that loving coffee is bad. It just means the energy that goes about it. Like, do you, as someone... Um, obsessed with their coffee and very picky about it wants to hoard it and hide it and pay other people very little money to work on their coffee and will you know harm the land because it's like I win you lose kind of situation they don't care about the whole concept of the earth and the people working for them and everything else they just care about their really special coffee and their money for example that's very rajasic and even possibly a little bit tamasic and then sattva is the energy of mm, it's almost feels like it's in between the two other extremes but it's in between and in another dimension kind of above but even that it's it's just in another place it's uh it's holistic it's uh win-win i win you win the energy of sattva is um, very caring for the self and caring for others. It's looking at the whole picture and seeing how one can be elevated by elevating others, for example. Um, and even just by explaining that, I feel totally differently when I talk about all of them. And so each of the planets can have these different expressions, these tamasic rajasic or sattvic expressions and so it almost doesn't matter what chart a person has um i mean different things will be happening in their lives but what i mean to say is if someone doesn't care about spirituality in any way shape or form they might have good luck with some things for example a well-placed jupiter tends to bring good luck so they could have good luck in gambling and make a lot of money but if they live in tamas they might be spending that money on prostitution and abusing women or they might be harming themselves and living in a dirty home or um you know not eating very clean foods but still you know they have this lucky jupiter and, and making all this money in gambling and everything else and so what I find 
is a very important aspect of astrology or really any form of counseling is to have a very solid life philosophy and spiritual practice. Um, someone with very strong integrity who's not going to be telling someone else what to do, but almost walking them through their chart and discussing the different possibilities of a chart, the different positive and negative expressions of those possibilities and then supporting that person to explore these things um, in a way that they want to and to have like the greatest expression of of their life that they want if that makes sense so um for example and then explaining to them to not even be attached to any of this so one other interesting thing that i really wanted to mention is that someone could be um someone could change their name (laughs) even change their gender and become a completely new person and the day that that would become legal or if the person does like a ritual or a ceremony to uh make this really concrete in in front of god or in front of their community that day that person is almost reborn and can can pretty much have a new birth chart and so in this sense we almost have like many different charts that we're working with like we could have our marriage chart the day we get married with our partner um seals a certain karma between the two people and then there's a chart to be worked out there so what some astrologers will do is they'll look at the karma between a couple and put one put one chart on top of the other and see how the two people influence themselves influence each other and um and it just it can go on and on and on and on but i think it's just i just really want to reiterate to not be attached it can be like it can be very very useful information i really think i mean i still love astrology i can't get away from it uh but we really have to take it with a grain of salt and realize that our own um inner compass and our own observations of our life and others really hold a lot of power uh one thing I also wanted to say is that in astrology, uh, the work of astrology itself falls in the eighth and ninth houses. Well, eighth house, really, which is the house of uh, like underground work, uh, the house of psychic work. I mean, it's originally the house of Scorpio, the house of uh, investigations uh the house of sex and tantra and so uh the house of yeah psychic work and a lot of these psychic practices have been forbidden by many religions even like hypnosis and past life regression um i'm very interested in all the topics of the eighth house and sometimes people are just very much attracted to these works and they hold their place and they they can be very important and very useful in society. But we have to look at whether they're in Thomas, Rajas, or Sattva. Like, what is the overall intention of this work? And the religions, which is the ninth house, um, they will say that these works are really dangerous. And almost all religions uh, forbid 
these kind of practices. Even when I was doing my yoga training, they told us not to use astrology. And I, I put my hand up. This this was a yoga training in like an ashram setting um, with uh, celibate monks, <laughs> supposedly celibate monks, um, but with monks nevertheless, and uh, telling us that we should not use astrology and that it's a dangerous practice and we should not try to awaken our kundalini, that it's a dangerous practice. Yet in their bookstore, they were selling books on Vedic astrology because in yoga and in India, astrology is very, very big. And But they tell us this as protection. Like at that time, I was quite angry <laughs> because I was so interested in astrology and actually at that time in my yoga training, all I wanted to do was find someone to teach me astrology. And then I met my husband who was learning from his teacher. Uh, and anyway, that was incredible. But uh, here we were being told not to use it. And it's for protection because if it's not used in the right way, it can very much become a tool for control. And it it's it can be a very strong tool for control. Same thing with psychic work, with people who are mediums. I've had a psych I had a psychic tell me about a past life once and it really didn't feel right at all. Um, I've done past life work where I induce people into a meditation so that they can see and experience their own past lives. So I and I had someone do that to me. So I had personally experienced and seen what that could look like and then here was someone external telling me that I had a past life where I was killed with an axe to my throat and blah 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 and I could really hold on to that story and create a whole thing for myself in my life because of that and again that could be good or that could be bad but it really didn't feel like the truth and it made me feel like it was taking me my it was taking myself away from my own knowing about my past lives and putting it into someone else's hands who was just telling me this thing without then giving me proper, you know, support or tools to improve it so that I could improve my life or heal these these traumas, except for asking for angels to heal it. Which, again, can work, and for some people that can lead them onto an amazing path, but at the time it really did not feel right to me. So, yes, religions say it, to to protect the greater population um but then within these religions even within the christian church and the christian movement um within all religions they have their psychics and they have their astrologers you better bet that they have some secret schools and secret things going on that are just a bit hidden and where um it's it, the more like sacred and spiritual we can make it and holistic I mean, yeah, <laughs> making something sacred can also have its own uh, faults. But do you see what I mean? Um, it's okay for it to be kept a bit secret and, and special and hidden away um, because it holds a lot of, it can hold a lot of power over people. <sighs> Let me see if I wanted to add anything else on this. I think that's about it for today. Uh, I would I'd really love to hear some feedback and think and hear what what you have to say. Any questions? Any points you want to discuss? Uh, 
I would be greatly appreciated because I love talking about this stuff. Me and my partner talk about it um, a lot. <laughs> he has gone away from astrology because his focus is just to help people live better lives and 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 be better and that if he looks at someone's chart it gives him some bias about who they are and what their potential is and he feels more comfortable looking at the person and observing their life hearing what they're saying hearing their questions and going from there i still feel like i can't let go of astrology I'm always kind of drawn back to it in some way. So I'm interested to see how that develops and how I use it in my future. But these are some thoughts I wanted to share with you. Thank you so much for listening. Please connect with me on Instagram at This Raw Mom Life. And I look forward to connecting with you again. And in this crazy COVID time, I wish you... I wish you that you can find some peace, that you can do something that brings you joy every day and to nourish and care for that loving, peaceful place within you. Goodbye.